Good morning, and welcome to Obreeders Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 5th, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, Chapter 6, and we are at page 78, the second paragraph. Today's readers are Leanne N. on the 12 Steps, Rita P. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Martha Z., Santa H., and Amy G. The reference number for Monday, July 4th, is 8888. That's 8888. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leanne N. to read the 12 steps. Please press star one, Leanne. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. This is Leanne N. from New York. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Here are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone. I pass. Thank you so much, Leanne. I will now ask Rita P. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Rita P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Arkansas. The 12 traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the, special, is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve, and I pass. Thank you, Rita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, chapter six on page 78, paragraph two. I will ask Martha Z to begin reading. Good morning, Katie, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you for being there. Um, This is Martha Z. I am a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we're trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know about it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal, we can let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We lose our fear of our creditors, no matter how far we have to go. We are liable to drink if we're afraid to face them. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, So I I was looking at this, and um, I was thinking, well, wow, you know, I don't, well, 
what I wanted to say first is that I wanted to look at it in a general way, and that was instead of we lose our fear of creditors, because I was looking at it and I was thinking I I didn't think I couldn't relate to that. So I was thinking though how important it is we lose our fear of anyone, because you know we're liable to drink if we're afraid to face them and. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, um, to you know, to overeat is to die, you know, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So, it's very important not only not only in this specific sense, but also in the general sense that, that we have to lose our fear of anyone. So, um, I about a couple years ago, when we were also in step nine, I was doing step nine with my big book guide, and. Um, I had I had done the forums and but people were talking about things and and there were things that they were talking about that were not on my list and they had to do with with things like um buying things buying things wearing them and then taking them back and pretending like I'd never worn them or um using coupons that had been inspired or using coupons that said you had to buy two and I only bought one and you know they seemed like little things but I could I really felt very uncomfortable with that so I and I, and like I said people were talking about it and it reminded me about it and I thought you know I really need to do something about it so I I really did pray about it a lot talked to a few people and decided that what I would do is I did not I did not do it face to face I guess I didn't I didn't I didn't want credit for doing it either. So I I did do it anonymously. I wrote letters and I tried to determine how much I thought it might be. And I there were there were about three different stores that were involved. And I you know, I sent money and I sent money at to the point it would hurt, not like $20. You know, I I made sure that I sent them a significant amount so that that I would feel it, and um, that felt good. And then, you know, there was there was one time when I was shopping and I was um, smelling shampoo because I'm really scent sensitive. And I went to put the top back on the bottle and it wouldn't go back on. And I put it to the back of the shelf and I thought, oh, I don't want anybody to pick this up. You know, it might go all over them. I left the store. And I couldn't, I thought, you've got to go back, go back. So I go back, the guy's standing there, and he goes, you look really concerned. I don't, I've told him what happened. And he's teasing me. He's like, you know, you're going to have to pay for this. And I said to him, well, no, I'm prepared to do that. And um, anyway, so he he takes the bottle, and it didn't screw back on. It just It just snapped back on. But I just, I felt so good because I just knew, I guess, I guess these days, you just don't get away with anything. It doesn't feel good to get away with anything. So um, if I have another quick second, I, I wanted to say one more thing. And I haven't heard this in this whole Step 8, 9 thing, but I was thinking about how in in Step 8, one of the ways we can become ready is that we have to let go of our resentments first before we can go to other people to be forgiven. Because if we don't, that's going to come out all over them. And so I I was just thinking about the prayer of St. Francis, and it says, it is by forgiving that one is forgiven. So um, anyway, I just thought I would share that. Thank you so much for letting me share.
Thank you so much, um, Martha. And who else, who would like to share on this paragraph? Charles Tina H. S. Shannon F. Okay, I have Charles, Tina S., Shannon S. Anyone else? Charles H. Yes, I got you, Charles. You'll be first. And then I have Tina S. and Shannon S. Anyone else? And Judith R. Judith R. Okay. Well, we'll go with those four to begin with. Charles H., you're up, followed by Tina F. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Charles H., you recovered compulsive overeater just for today. Um, most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors, telling them what we're trying to do. That's so dope. Um, you know, uh, I was working with, I'm working with a fellow, and uh, I started working with that fellow last Sunday. And we went over uh, financial amends, and it was a lot, and I could identify with um, having a lot of them. And, and I could tell you on the other side of, um, and, and, and by, by, by no means, um, it's not over. <laughs> because I could tell you, I could tell you um, some stories back in, in school when I, when I took people's lunches and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's not over. It's never over. However, um, some some big ones like the IRS, and I ain't scared if we record. I'm a hood visionary, man. I'm from the hood, so I ain't really scared of nothing. And and, and I'm I'm really ready to go. You know what I'm scared of? I'm scared of not telling you, because some little things, some little secrets, gonna kill me. The ninth step says it, and um, you know, making the best deal with the IRS. I can remember running from it, man. Running from them. And knowing that um, it was going to kill me and I was not going to recover um, if I ran from it. So, um, so yeah, on the other side of, of, of them big financial amends, oh, it's so much freedom. It is so much freedom. So, um, man, it, it's just, it's, it's, it feels good. And I'm going to lock down with this, and I know a lot of people are going to want to um, touch down on this. You know, I, I love that quote from Mother Teresa. If you want to, if a lot, a lot of noise on the line. Wow, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, if you want to change the world, go home and love on your family. So I'm gonna love on my home group, and I, with that, I'm gonna pass. If somebody could just address that uh, disrespectful, out of line person that's just wilding out on the line, I, I would greatly appreciate that. Thanks, and I pass. Yes, um, I'm so sorry about that, Charles. Yes, there's someone that's shuffling papers, scraping something. If everybody could please just confirm that you are muted by pressing star one, I'd greatly appreciate it. Um, And now we'll go with Tina S. followed by Shannon H. I mean, (laughs) Shannon S. Thank you. Press star one, please. Thank you for your service. Uh, Tina S. Compost Feeder anorexic in Florida and uh, you know I could really relate to Charles's share and um, you know the good news today is I have the freedom from this and uh, and I was running for a long time and you know one of the things that when I first uh, became of age to get a job and to you know get some credit and get my automobile I just felt so proud and then over the years through all my you know, all my sicknesses you know um, 
other things became more important than paying my bills. And uh, I can remember I moved to Florida in 1987. That was the first time I went to treatment. And, uh, and I thought I could run from these creditors. You know, I thought, well, you know, and my, my big excuse was, well, I don't, you know, I didn't bring any of my bills with me. I laugh when I think about that today, long ago, but I, I didn't bring any of my bills with me, so I don't know where these people are. And so through this process, you know, I had the opportunity because I was willing. You know, I wanted to set things right. You know, I wanted to make things right, and I wanted to, to start on a new uh, path here. Um, and I can remember I worked in the pharmacy at the time, and I was thinking, how am I going to, you know, make these amends? And, and got a phone call, and my, my, real, my real name is Tristina. And I never go by Tristina. I always go by Tina. And this phone call was for a Tristina. And it's amazing because uh, it was some of the one of the creditors. And it actually was, you know, a company that had consolidated uh, the stuff that I owed. And I was, I was afraid because I thought, I won't be able to pay this. And they just, and I love what it talks about, you know, approach this way. The most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us, arranging the best deal we can. You know, they, it was just, it was a God thing. It was just set so that I was able to pay this uh, debt off. And, and it really, you know, I was able to do it, you know, because I didn't make a whole lot of money at the time. And, you know, it's just amazing. And I love what, you know, like I said, what Charles shared, that there's just a freedom after this. There just is. And today, you know, you know one of the things that I know is, is that I pay my creditors, you know, because I don't want to feel the way that I felt before that I was running. And, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, um, Tina. And now we have Shannon S. followed by Judith R. Hello there, Shannon S. Compulsive Overeater. One of the creditors that was one of the scariest ones, or businesses that was the scariest ones for me to repay was actually the grocery stores. I used to um, eat a massive amounts of food from the bulk section. And um, logically, I knew um, that it wasn't going to be um, a huge catastrophe to fess up, say what I had done, and pay what I thought I owed. Um, but there was still just this fear that was going on. But I knew deep down that I had to be willing because holding on to that spiritual junk of not writing that wrong was not something I wanted to weigh on my soul for the rest of my life. So I remembered um, to just be willing um, and to just see what might pop up. I mean, my hands were shaking as I was trying to, like, give the check to them and also try and find a manager that would spare some time to sit down um, or get outside the retail line um, where other people wouldn't see this. But I went forward no matter what. And, um, you know, where it says sometimes our, our creditors will surprise us, I was shocked when I saw their um, experiences. Um, the managers or whomever I had to pay back um, were just flabbergasted that somebody would fess up to this, step up to the plate and do the right thing. Uh, they were actually cheering me on for my path of recovery because I had just mentioned, you know, I'm just doing this because I'm a person in recovery. I need to do this in order for me to recover. Um, so I need to turn this money over. Um, and they did accept um, one way or another. Um, and But they were just, like, uh, amazed. And they, they really gave me kind words of encouragement and love. And um, so anytime that I now start to see when I get really nervous about doing Step 9 amends, I also, uh, and also paying back cutters, I also remember that 
this is a part of my story that once I'm on the other side, it's going to serve a huge purpose for the people that I sponsor or just share stories with. Because somewhere down the line, there's going to be another person, another compulsive overeater that's scared to pay back their creditors or um, businesses they stole from. And just to be willing to say that, you know what, uh, this was my experience and it did turn out for the positive, no matter what way the story looked like, it has value and purpose. So I always remind myself of that when I'm getting nervous about paying back creditors or making amends. Um, But I think I will let that pass, but I always see, like, keep an open mind. So just open the door to whatever is available um, for God to let flow through in and then know that um, chances are I'm not going to be burned at the stake, you know, when I'm trying to pay back creditors or, um, you know, go forward with recovery in this. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Shannon. Judith R., you're up. Thanks, Katie. This is Judith R., recovered in Vermont. Um, most alcoholics owe money. Most compulsive overeaters owe money. I did not identify with that. It was like, well, that one doesn't apply to me. And only in the last couple weeks have I started coming out of denial. Um, Mine were very subtle, (laughs) at least in my mind. Um, I remember um, buying some videos from a professional group that I belong to. And... um, just waiting a really long time to pay them until they were forgotten. Um, and I did that with a, a private person as well. And now I'm going to have to look her up and find out if I can find her name and address from 10 or 15 years ago and pay. And I just felt like I felt so financially insecure that um, I was very always very, very uh, hard. I just wouldn't spend any money on myself and I wouldn't spend any money on anything. And uh, that's not the way God would have me be. And I'm just so grateful that uh, I finally came out of denial and I feel better already just knowing that I am going to, to send some checks to folks. Thanks for listening. I pass. Thank you, Judith. And now we'll open it up if there's anybody else who would like to share on this paragraph. Hi, this is Janice M. from Boston. Matt M. from New Jersey. Okay, I I have Janice M., Katie G., Matt M., Kimberly L., Kimberly L., and Judy F. Judy F. There was someone before you after Kimberly. Amanda R. Amanda R. Okay. Anyone else before I shut this down? Okay. Well, let's go with Janice M., Katie G., Matt M., Kimberly L., Amanda R., and Judy F. Janice M., you're up. Yes, thank you. And good morning to you, Katie F., and everybody. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, when I came to this step, I said, hmm, I don't really owe any money to anybody because I never really stole, except when I was little, I think I stole some lipstick, but I had to either return the lipstick or return the, 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 the worth that it was. That's what I was taught. But anyway, as I, you know, got into, you know, the ninth step, 
um, I, I rationalized a lot. I justified a lot. And I'm talking about a family business when I thought that I was entitled <laughs> to the money. You know, nobody's going to know it. Nobody, you know. And behind that entitlement, I had um, a lot of resentment towards, uh, you know, my father. He was, you know, doing things on, on his own with the business. And I thought, well, you know, I'm a co-owner. If he can do it, I can do it. Uh, well, that didn't make it right. <laughs> and the thing, the bottom line for me was, and, and, and somebody told me this, and, and, you know, to begin with, whether it's the IRS, whether it's the family business, whether it's the store, it's not my money to begin with. And when we say, well, we got to pay it back, yeah, we got to pay it back. Well, well, it wasn't mine to begin with. So, you know, that made me feel better. It was like, yeah, I'm not entitled to that money. That I'm not really paying it back. I, it wasn't mine. So I think that's, that's a big lead for me that helped me. And, you know, you might say, well, yeah, the business isn't there anymore. And, you know, so-and-so died. Well, we know that those of us that have gone through this, that, of course, um, uh, uh, we can make a donation, whether it's to uh, whatever, you know, um, department or, uh, you know, charity that you want to, or it could even be to OA, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, we could division for you or whatever, we could always use the money to do other things and pay it off that way. And I, and, and I think that's a, you know, that's for me worked. And again, the freedom. And, you know, we're not making a deal. Um, uh, we can make a deal, but like it was just said, which I loved was, you know, we have to go through with it. We can make a deal, but we have to do the action. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And Katie G, you're up, followed by Matt M. Hi, Katie. It's Katie. Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater anorexic and bulimic and um, just starting my timer I'm the queen manipulator you know like I um, was very subtle I thought you know with um, the money that people owed me and the stealing and um, as a previous speaker shared it wasn't my money and um, when I in my first round of amends I brought cash I brought cash because even if they said to me, you know oh you don't owe me that or whatever it's not my money like the groceries um, store that I worked for, I gave them a wad of $100 because it wasn't my money. And um, they weren't to, you know, thank me or whatever. Um, I'm the one that stole it. Um, I contacted Amazon for my being dishonest about the warranty date on a product that I bought and um, wanting a new one. Um, and I still can get caught in that. You know, this isn't good enough. Let me get a, a new one. Um, I stole from my company in terms of not doing my job, and most recently, um, I made a um, $4,000 financial amend to my patients, and then um, also showed up a half an hour to an hour early every day for five months um, because I, I didn't have the money to to really restore to my company. And um, you know, financial amends are like a continuous evolving. Um, you know, I'm in a relationship now, and, and when I um, let my fiancé know about the financial amend, um, he even said to me, gee, you know, I wish you'd considered uh, talking to me about that first. And um, 
the reason I bring that up is because I'm always learning, right? Like I'm always learning, like, yes, I, I owe the money, but I have to be considerate of the people that I'm in financial engagements with. Um, my father is somebody who I manipulated for money for a very long time, and he won't accept my money, um, but I did find places to make donations to, and I can hear you unmuted. I don't know what you're battering, but it's not very nice. Um, anyway, so it just, um, it's, it's my willingness um, to think outside of the box. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I still have to watch this each and every day. How's my integrity? What's my money? Am I trying to um, get away with things? Am I saying that people owe me something? Am I wanting to bring something back to the grocery store? Um, you know, I'm not getting away with stuff. I remember, I'll just close with this, for with a yoga studio, like I lied to them that I was a student for years because I'm KDG and don't you know that I shouldn't have to pay full price? So um, the price of the willingness to be uncomfortable and to go to any lengths and make sacrifices um, is freedom, and that's what I want today. And I'm going to continue to work on this with all of you a day at a time, because if I don't, eating will be a step up, and I do not want to go back there one day at a time, and I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And yes, just another reminder to please stay muted if you're not Matt M., who's up next, followed by Kimberly L. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Matt, fellow visionaries. My name is Matt M. I'm a compulsive overeater over here in New Jersey. You know, this paragraph is very powerful for me. I tried to avoid reading it recently because, you know, I had that sense of entitlement. I was entitled, entitled to keep my money. A lot of the creditors, the bill, the bill collectors, like the phone, the phone company, uh, you know, the cable company, they shouldn't have charged me so much money. They should know better, you know. Or I was a master manipulator. I you know, a fool and his money assume assume parted. I had a really close friend here in, in the rooms, and I, I borrowed two hundred dollars from him, saying that I was using it for moving expenses. And I went and I ate it. I borrowed money from one of my ex sponsors, almost three hundred dollars. I borrowed a few a dollar, a couple dollars here and there from Zoe friends. I treated the rooms like it was my own personal ATM, and I mistreated everybody everywhere I went. You know, I I became like I said, the master manipulator, the boy who cried wolf. I was always had a soft story to tell. And people, people who knew me and liked me, they always, they always say, oh, man, I'll give you some money. Don't worry. You'll be okay. You know, I could have very easily, this, this time around, I'm going to lose my storage unit and have all my stuff in because I mismanaged my money a couple months ago and I missed the payment. And now all the late fees and everything they put on top of it, I, I can't afford it, so it's going to have to go up for auction. I could have very easily went to a family member I know and asked him to pay it and put a soft story on him because he really doesn't like you right now because of all the money that I borrowed from him over the past. But... He probably would have done it to keep so I can keep my stuff from the house. Um, but yeah, that would have been wrong. I have to accept my fate. I have to accept things as they are. And I have to get going and start paying so many people back. And I have. I already paid one person back one of my financial amends. And I have, I have, it's a pretty long list. I have a lot of creditors to pay. And, uh, you know, the money that I make is not my money. It's already, it's already accounted for. I can't be selfish or egotistical and say, well, you know what, they shouldn't have, uh, kept uh, bugging me all those years to pay this pay these bills, you know. This money is theirs. I have to work hard to find a way to make a payment plan with all of them. And I'm just going to take it one day at a time, one person at a time, and eventually I'll make all my financial amends. But I have the willingness to do it because the old Matt would have said, yeah, screw them. They don't need their money back. They should have, but they shouldn't. Like I said, they shouldn't have charged me in the first place. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Kimberly L., you're up, followed by Amanda R. 
Good morning. This is Kimberly L. from Georgia, recovered compulsive overeater. So I think I've shared this before. This part has always scared me. It wasn't so much the fourth and fifth step, although I did have some fear around it. It is making the financial amends that has always um, made me run when it comes to the ninth step. And I don't have a lot to share this morning. However, what I do want to say is that by working the steps in order and by the guidance of those that have gone before me, I am willing to do this because I want the freedom at the other end. That last sentence, we must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. That is where the willingness comes because I don't want to eat again. I have made some small steps um, towards making some financial amends since working through the ninth step and the freedom that has come on the other end has also helped me to lose the fear and it's going to be okay. You know, I was wrong in what I did and I have some significant wrongs to make right And one day at a time, and by the guidance of those that have gone before me, and with the strength of my higher power, I am going to get through this. I want the freedom at the other end. Um, And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kimberly. And Amanda R., you're up, followed by Judy S. Hi, this is Amanda R. I am a recovered compulsive eater in Maine. And... um, I wanted to share a little story about a financial amends because um, I I went and made amends to my dad in my ninth step, and I said, "Hey, I I owe you this money. I don't know if you if you know that, but I, I you know I had I had cost him money that I did not. That was like I had come up with a reason that he needed to pay for a medical bill. This is back when I'm like a teenager, but the reason was made up." So I go to him, I'm shaking in my boots, and I tell him, and he's like, well, you know, don't don't worry about it. Just just save up that amount of money and use it for something, you know, some sort of trip or something's fun. I'm like, okay. And then part two, is there anything else? Like I, I ask him, is there anything else that you think I owe you money for? And he's like, well, yes. What about that blankety-blank lawyer's bill? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I thought that was a gift, but evidently he did not think it was a gift. And um, so I'm like, all right, um, I'll work on on paying that back. It's going to be kind of slow. And um, he didn't didn't want me to pay on it until I was on on more firm financial uh, footing. But I said, you know, it it really means a lot to me to even be making small payments, just just for my own peace of mind, I want to feel like I'm not avoiding this and I'm making progress on it. So he said, all right, um, why don't you take the money and put it into your son's college fund? And so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing it just little by little by little. And it's sort of, it's a metaphor for the whole program because not only have I lost my shame over that money that I owed my dad, but I have also gained something even better, which is that I'm, I feel great because I'm contributing to, to my, son's, my son's college fund. And, you know, it, it's not a lot. It's going to be a long time until I get paid back, but just the relief of, 
of knowing I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can and I'm not avoiding it. And it's, it's kind of like the whole program of OA as a whole. Like not only am I losing weight, which is what I came for, I came there because like scary health stuff, weight out of control, eating crazy. Not only am I losing that weight, but I'm gaining so much um, sanity and joy and like they say a sense of usefulness in life that you know I I didn't really believe those promises when I first came into OA but here they are happening and um and I'm really happy and with that I pass thank you so much and now we have Judy F and then Santa H will uh, take us into the next paragraph thank you Katie F Great to hear you. Thank you for your service. Good morning. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Massachusetts. And um, I'm just going to time myself here. I'll go. Um, yeah, this paragraph really um, reminded me this morning about how this is a program of action. And, I, um, and, and the results of it are, this. Uh, for me, there was... The, the results were, I, you know, my fear of economic insecurity will leave us, you know, one of the promises after the te- uh, ninth step. Because money for me was, be, besides the food um, as my higher power, so is money. And money still can be, um, I can still tell the lie that I, um, if I just have enough money, I'll be okay. I'll have that security. And this, um, taking these actions of, um, giving back what so many have said was not mine in the beginning, but my my sick thinking rationalized it was my money. I always had excuses and reasons why I did something. And it was usually because I was in disease thinking based on lies. And so I did, um, I remember I, I had got my first treatment center and I, I owed um, thousands of dollars uh, and I, I paid it back five dollars a week, and so it took me many years. But um, that's when you know my self-esteem started to build. And when I think about it, before I came into recovery, I was I was in lots of therapy, and you know for self-esteem, for assertiveness, and I I never and and to get rid of the shame, and it, not, nothing ever worked. But this program of action, uh, these this step is so was so in, and still is so integral in um, in my well-being and be, me being right with myself, with God, and with others. And there's there's nothing like it that it, people talk about that freedom to be able to look people in the eye um, and to um, not be looking over my shoulder and um, just to be clean. And um, some of the companies that I owed had gone um, either they were um, they went bankrupt or they were no longer in existence. Um, and I stole a lot of um, like um, staplers and uh, supplies, um, time. And also they, they had um, one where you can take as much candy and just put in, you know, the money. So I did give to um, charities, but I did not, it was all anonymous. Um, because if I put my name on it, I would get credit. And that's not, it wasn't my money to be getting credit for. So um, with the help of a recovered sponsor and God, and this also brought me closer to God, because at the, at the end, 
Um, you know, we must lose our fear of credit no matter how far we go. Like losing the fear and gaining the faith in God. And I had to go in with God every step of the way. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Judy F. And Santa H., will you please read the next paragraph? Certainly. Good morning, fellow. My fellow visionaries, my name is Santa H. from New Jersey, gratefully recovered, living in the solution one day at a time. Perhaps we have committed a criminal offense that might land us in jail as if we're known to the authorities. We may be short on our accounts and unable to make good. We have already admitted this to a disincompetence to another person, but we were sure we would be in prison or lose our job if, if it were known. Maybe it, it's a petty offense, such as peddling, padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. Maybe we were divorced and have, rem, and have remarried, but haven't kept up with alimony to number one. She is indignant about it has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble, too. And let me set my timer here. Wow. I first have to say, for me, I'm grateful that I don't identify into this paragraph. Um, I, but, but I think here what I'm wanting to share and what I'm getting from this here is that what these writers are sharing with anyone is that there's no exception. Um, they use the words perhaps, maybe. And I love that they, they come for me with the words where most of us have done that sort of thing. So if I have done these these types of crimes, whether they are um, criminal offense or whether they are um, petty offenses, that they're letting me know that you're not by yourself. There's like, there's, like, there's no, you know, you're not alone. And so they say that this is a common form of trouble too. And it also reminds me of, because I am not no saint. I love what it says on page 60. It says that, um, it says we are not saints, and that's including myself. It says, but the point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. And that's, what, that's the point that they're willing to get across here to me, is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines, the willingness. And also it came out for me today, which everyone's, shared on, and I love what Martha started out in her share, which she said, we must lose our fear over everyone. And so what I'm gathering from this paragraph, just continuing, picking back what she said, is that I must lose my fear over every situation. And so, and then the other thing that came to me was that something that my step guy said to me that was helpful to me is that, um, is the word freedom. And it was talked about on a meeting today, the word freedom quite often. But she uses the, the ninth step of men's as what is called the freedom junket. And I love that, you know, because, you know, and I also hear in the line that really rings true to me as I was listening is I always hear Leah say, how free do you want to be? So I asked myself, Santa, when I was going through this process, how free do I want to be? You know, and I would ask myself, um, well, what does that freedom look like in the end? Because to me, I'm a, I'm a very visual person, so I have to see it. And so I'm going to end with the promises, is what the book is telling me, what these writers have said to me, and I have found to be true in my own life, that if I'm willing to do the work, if I want to be free, this is what freedom has, will look like and what it does for me today. It says on page 84, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, <laughs> that is so beautiful to me. We will see that our experiences can benefit others. 
And that has been such a testimony for me in my life today, that if I don't have anything to give away, then how can I be useful? So I'm grateful today for my experiences. And then I like also what it says here is that we will have a feeling of usefulness. And I'm sorry, the feeling of usefulness and, and self-pity would disappear, and that has been true for me. And also it says self-seeking will, will slip away. And I love this part here where it says I will have a whole new attitude out on life. And I will see situations differently. And I will realize that God is doing more for me than I can ever do for myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Santa. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Naomi B. Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Go ahead, Naomi. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my family. This is Naomi B. Grateful, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Well, this really hit me. I'm just sitting here listening to everyone and thinking, you know, that's not me, that's not me, and then, boing, something pops in my brain. Um, In this paragraph, criminal offense, and maybe it's only a petty offense. Well, what came to mind was back in the 70s, I worked for a drugstore, and I was a cashier. And when I would accumulate some products that I wanted to take home, I'd have another cashier ring it up for me. And what the cashiers would do for each other, we'd ring up, if you had like five articles, they'd ring up two. And I'm just sitting here, I'm thinking, all this is just coming back to me. And this is an amends I've never made. And it's like, wow, I was stealing. Now, one time I actually lost a job, lost that particular job, because a little old lady came in, she had a little bit of money, and I gave her a discount on a product. (laughs) And it came back to bite me in the rear end, because she wrote a letter to the company thanking them for me because I was so generous with her. Well, I got fired because that generosity was fake. And I was not an authority figure. I was only a cashier. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I never addressed it. It was so long ago, and my life has so changed with this program, and I'm an honest person. And, you know, when things come up or something – you know, I call to make sure that it's okay that I can do this. I just recently had a product that it was separating, and uh, I called and I said, "This is what's going on." And they said, "Oh, it's still within warranty. We'll send you a new one." I said, "What do I do with the old one? I'm still workable." And they said, "Well, you can just keep it or just you know donate it or something like that." But this other situation with this store, I'm definitely going to talk to my sponsor and see what we could work out, because that store is not in existence. There's another store. They've, they've changed hands. But, wow, because I really, I know, and I, too, say what Leah says about how free do you want to be. I want to be free, because I know the drudgery and the poison and the, the hell that I was in when I was in the food. And thank you for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Marion H., Okay, I got Marion H. and it sounded like someone else was in there. Kim G. Melissa C. Okay. okay. Uh, we'll take those three and then we will probably be out of time. Go ahead, uh, Marion H. Followed by Kim G. Good morning, uh, fellow compulsive eaters and everything else. Uh, I just need to say that I'm nervous about sharing, but I really related. Uh, I have. Um, three things that I that I've done. Um, my husband uh, 
at a company no longer because he's retired and I was doing the the cash I was working with cash and uh, it's a family business and my sister-in-law was doing the payroll and she told me that $20 is missing so I admitted to her that it was me so that wasn't so bad and I gave you know I gave it back um I was many there's an Orbax in in New York City which is not no longer there I walked out um with a pocketbook and uh, they caught me so that was very very embarrassing and uh, I was with my mom and she was encouraging me to do that she should rest in peace uh she's gone now and then the third thing I was in a in a supermarket and I'm shopping and I was changing labels to make it cheaper and I saw that this guy was following me from aisle to aisle and then when I finished and I uh, paid they took me in the back and again it was very very embarrassing and I paid the difference and that's you know that's what I came that's that's what I did so it, you know, it feels really good to talk about it because I never really talked about it at all, ever. So uh, I'm so grateful for the vision and everyone who shares and everyone who does service. And thank you so much, and I pass. Well, thank you, Marion. And Kim G., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. You know, there's a one specific amends that really set me free because I would go to OA meetings and we'd read the ninth step and I always thought about this situation and I talked to people and they always told me I didn't need an amends. And it was that I worked at a 7-Eleven in college and my boss made it okay for us to steal. He taught us that if we do certain things, then we can eat for free because he would write it off to 7-Eleven. So therefore, I don't owe money because 7-Eleven isn't out of money, and my boss told me to do it. And when I finally went to this big book method, and I looked at that fourth column of where I am selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened, I saw that it is my own, I knew it was against my morals. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it okay. And the self-seeking is, well, if everyone else is getting away with it, then I should be able to get away with it. So I had to get clear on padding the expense account. Whatever other people were doing was irrelevant, and I needed to get right with that. And I worked through that process, and I didn't owe money to 7-Eleven, and I didn't owe money to my boss, but I wound up donating money to a food bank. And that has felt so good, and I have realized I have stolen so much food from the universe that I now once a month, one, one paycheck a month, donate a certain amount of food to that food bank in order to do that. And that is the freedom and I, and I just want to say that because you know, this, mess, this big book method is so powerful. So if, you are, if there are nine-step amends that you have on there that people are telling you you don't need to make but it keeps coming up, if it is blocking you from, from a spiritual awakening, go to someone who's recovered. Find out what that is. And just to extend that, how that extends into our life, I found I had done it again. A couple of years ago, um, I work at an auto auction and I worked on the Subaru account and we used to get free lunches at my auction when I worked on that Subaru account. And when I was off the account, the person who was working, it still gave me the free lunch ticket. I'm not entitled to it. I'm not working on that account anymore. And I would take it and take it. And suddenly, when I was doing some 11-step work, I realized 
that I was doing that. Now, I did my, went back and did my work four through nine, and I could not give money to my company because what would happen is I would get her in trouble because she's not supposed to be giving me that ticket. So I, I could not make that amends. But what I understood was that I was going to sell out my recovery for $6, which is how much my lunch normally costs me at my office. For $6, I would, I would sell out my, my, uh, my recovery. So that's why it's so essential. We, say we don't identify in with the criminal offenses, but where are we skirting the issues? Where are we taking advantage of the system? Where are we thinking that we're entitled? All the stuff that we're hearing about. Because what I have found is that the road gets more narrow because I cannot tolerate resentment, fear, and any time of conduct that does not align with my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Melissa C., you'll be our last share today. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this petty um, kind of offense, um, you know, my experience um, with needing to make amends in this area was um, I was a Girl Scout leader for my daughter's troop for years. And one of the things that we did um, was we collected candy to uh, after Halloween to send to the troops, um, to the U.S. troops. And um, there was candy that never made it out of my car. You know, I collected candy from coworkers. One in particular gave me a huge bag of candy, and um, I didn't set out to eat it all. But that is what happened. The candy never left my car, and I ate it. And um, when I was going through my amends, my sponsor had said to me, um, you know, the person was throwing the candy away. So you don't necessarily need to go to her, um, but you do need to make sure that the monetary equivalent makes it to the um, to the troops, you know. And so I did make those donations, um, but I didn't feel right. And so... That tells me um, I wasn't done. You know, the, the writing of the check, the giving of the money was actually really easy because um, I thought it was going to get me out of really having to own up to it. But every time I saw that coworker, um, I felt uncomfortable. I couldn't look her in the eye. And I thought about, you know, what kind of helped me in that situation was I thought about my daughter. You know, here I was being a troop, you know, a Girl Scout leader um, for her Girl Scout troop. And I was supposed to be modeling, um, you know, morals, values. And I thought about what would I want her to do in this situation. Um, And as hard as it is, yeah, I think owning up to it, um, you know. And so when I place the thought of, how do I look at my daughter? Well, how does my higher power look at me? And what do I need to do to be free? You know, that's what this is about, having freedom. And I did go to that coworker, um, and I, I told her exactly what I had done. Um, she was floored. Um, she said, I, most I don't remember ever giving you the candy, but if, if you say you did, um, I believe it. And then she wound up telling me, her own experiences with the 12 steps. And, um, you know, and so I was able to come clean with it. I can look this woman in the eye any day um, and, uh, and say I'm free as a result. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa C. And thank you to everyone 
who has shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Amy G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, Katie. This is Amy G., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Maryland. Thank you so much for your service and for an awesome meeting, everyone. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you unto them. And with that, I'll pass.